Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast, helping you to get through this class. Remember, these podcasts are designed to help you be ready for our test, help you be ready for state testing, anything like that. This is just another form so you don't have to go back and read every single thing. You can kind of just go back, take a listen. I'm kind of narrowing down what the book is, giving some of my own examples to help you guys out. So last time on this episode for government, we talked about uh, we talked about kind of the beginning of the political ideas. This time we're going to talk about what we did to actually get uh, this freedom and this independence that we got. This is our push for independence. And we always talk about, you know, 1776 being the beginning of the Revolutionary War and how that impacted us. Well, that's all well and good. But our problems with Britain and our ideas and our push forward out of this being a colonial state to being an independent nation started a solid 15 years, if not more before that. And what it did was it actually started in 1761 when Britain started to kind of change their mind as to the way in which we were going to look at things. So in 1761, the British decided they're going to set up something called the Ritz of Assistance. And it basically allows British soldiers to come into your home and search it whenever and anything they believe was smuggled or stolen, they could just take for themselves. And they were allowed to do that at any point without any notice, without any letting you know. It was just, hey, we're going to stop here. So that obviously upsets some of the colonists. But they're kind of like, all right, whatever. We can live with that. Let's move on. Two years later, then, they got a little bit more greedy, and the British did. And they went through and they said, all right, we're going to set up something called the Proclamation of 1763, which says, listen, if you're white and you live here, you can no longer go west of this chain of mountains called the Appalachian Mountains. And also, not only that, not only can you not travel farther than you would like, mostly because they didn't want to set up war or anything like that with, uh, with France, which was already going on in the area. Not only that, but if you want to trade with any Native Americans, you have to purchase a license from the British government. Just like if you want to go hunting in the United States today or you want to drive a car, you have to have this license so that you can trade with them. So now they're starting to get a little bit more annoyed. Like, all right, so first you're going to let them check our homes. Now you're going to tell me where I can and cannot go and who I can and cannot trade with. Shouldn't it be about what kind of money I can make, not what you think? Takes us to our third part. The next year, the British go ahead, they pass the Sugar Act. And this requires and is enforced a heavy tax on certain goods that come into the United States or the colonial states at that time. And those goods mostly are sugar, which is why it's called the Sugar Act. And again, so now we can't travel to wherever we want. You can search our home whenever we want and you're gonna tax us more. The frustration is growing. And as the frustration is growing, a lot of the colonies are gonna start working together and coming together so that they can kind of have a response to all these changes. But we're not done yet, okay? We're still not done with how this goes because the next year the British decide, listen, we need more money from the American colonies. So we're gonna pass something called the Stamp Act. And this is not just stamps, but it's any piece of paper that is printed on has an extra tax on it that goes straight to the British government. This was pretty much the big turning point because at this point, the colonists are like, all right, we're a little bit over this. We're a little bit sick and fed up with all the different ideas that we have. And we talked last time a little bit about the English Bill of Rights. They are violating every set of the English Bill of Rights as we go through here. And the people just start getting 
more and more and more frustrated with what is going on. And as they get more and more frustrated, they start meeting together to come up with a new idea. Now, as some of these new ideas start to progress, that's gonna lead to Boston Tea Party, which is more of a history thing. But the Boston Tea Party, when we talk about revolution and protests and everything like that in our country going on today, the Boston Tea Party is exactly like the looting was over the last you know, several months in certain cities over the Black Lives Matter movement and stuff like that. It's the same thing. It's the exact same concept, but we like to look at it as though it's not. We like to look at it as a heroic act. No. They took a million dollars worth of tea and threw it in the ocean and said, forget you, you know, forget you to the, uh, to the British government. 1767, the Townsend Act, that's going to tax glass, lead, paint, paper, and tea, uh, which leads to then in 1773, the Tea Act, which is going to force, this is going to actually lead to the Tea Party, which is going to force you to, you have to use or buy tea from this one company. It was a company that had a monopoly in, in England and they wanted to make sure they made more money. And then that takes us to the final point, which is the Intolerable Acts, which is basically, you can't do anything if you live in the colonial, in, in the colonies, in the Massachusetts colony, excuse me. That takes us to the First Continental Congress. This is a response to the $1.7 million of tea that got thrown in the ocean. And after that, not only was it a response to the 1.7 million that got thrown in, this is a response to the response of that. And a whole bunch of big famous uh, people from, from the colonial days and the early days of America, they get together and they meet for almost two months and they decide what should happen. What is our course of action? They decide that they are going to kind of push and continue to push for all the problems and kind of try to fight back against what is going on. They decide they're gonna to continue to work together and they're going to refuse all trade with England uh, until taxes are basically done and all trade regulations are accomplished and done. This meeting lasted until for a couple months and they walked away with not a ton done, but this idea of a boycott. They decide that in a couple months, we're gonna come back together after they had decided that you know, the British, they backed off. At first they refused to compromise and they didn't re reverse some of the decisions, but their reaction was that they got mad, but they didn't really do anything else. With that being said, the Second Continental Congress meets after the first battle had already been fought. We talk about 1776 being the beginning of that war. That's not really true. It starts in 75. The revolution had already begun. The first blood had already been shed and the shot that had been heard around the world had been fired and heard. And our nation's government comes together and they're led by a man named Thomas Jefferson along with a lot of other guys. They're gonna be led by John Hancock. who's actually gonna be the one who's in charge of this committee. Uh, John Adams is gonna be there. Uh, he's gonna nominate George Washington to lead the army. He's also gonna help draft the Declaration of Independence. Roger Sherman is there. Uh, 
John Jay is going to be there to lead something called the Olive Branch Petition. Thomas Jefferson, actually main author. Uh, Richard Henry Lee is going to push for independence. All these guys get together in writing this Declaration of Independence. And within the Declaration of Independence, it's actually kind of the first act of a U.S. government. And the Declaration of Independence started with resolve that these, these United Colonies are, and of right, ought to be free and independent states, that they are absolved from all allegiance to the British crown, and that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is and ought to be totally resolved. All right, so in fancy, or in less fancy terms, way more simple terms, here's the idea as to what that means. They are going to stop all work within the Declaration, or within using the British. They no longer accept that the British are their leaders. They are on their own. They are 100% on their own. And with the Declaration of Independence, we have to start looking at kind of these ideas and these thoughts of people. And so the big thing to understand from that is that we believed at that time that all men are created equal. They are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. So we have said this is what we believe and you can no longer do what you need for us. You can no longer keep that up. And with, the, with that, the first states in January of 1776 are going to really start getting together. They're going to start drafting their own individual state uh, constitutions that are going to be kind of run on their own. The biggest ideas that are found within them is popular sovereignty, which is that everybody is recognized in one source of government, a limited government where the government doesn't get to control everything. These, these ideas are going to be pushed together into one national government later on. But until then, we still need to win this war on independence. And until we do that, you know, we're kind of stuck in where we're at. On that note, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Make sure you are uh, downloading this, rating, subscribe. Uh, let me know whatever you guys need to help you be successful in this class this year. Have a good rest of your day. Bye.